Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane. Follow me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane, and I'm always joined by Sean Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. So, Sean, we have our first Cowboys win to talk about. Are we ready for a week of Are the Cowboys in Better Hands with Cooper Rush talk? Of course, I'm kidding, but. Yeah, he's 2-0 and as the Cowboys starter. You know, both wins under Mike McCarthy. You do have to give the Cowboys head coach who's been under so much fire, you know, some credit for that, able to rally the troops a bit. I think it was pretty clear, even more more so than in the Minnesota game last year, that, you know, these guys just like playing for Cooper Rush, man. They, uh, you know, they stepped up for him. They had a solid game plan. They got the ball to their best players. They got Noah Brown, of course, involved, and Tony Pollard, some big plays and a touchdown. So, yeah, this team – you know, tried to sell us all offseason that they were going to be in contention again, of course, and then they tried to sell us this week that that would still be the case at 0-1 with Cooper Russ, and you know, now thanks to Russ being 2-0, and you're 1-1 going into a divisional game in prime time, so a lot of work left to be done, but it sure does feel good to get that first win. 0-2 isn't a good place to be, and as you learned, you know, how volatile the league is year to year, speaking of 0-2, the Bengals are right there with that record right now after losses to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Russ after being in the Super Bowl last year. So, you know, things do change so quickly in this league. It's why the Cowboys, even with all these roster changes, still have a chance right now. And even bigger reason they have a chance is because they proved once again that Cooper Rush can go win you a couple games. Yeah, it's surprising to me that the Cowboys, as horrendous seasons that they have had, um, they've not been 0-2 since 2010 with Tony Romo. And that was a season really, uh, in my opinion, kind of like this one in that the starting quarterback had to do too much um, or felt like he did. And But at least in Dak's case, he got knocked out the first week as opposed to, you know, the sixth game of the season. So it, nevertheless, it does seem a little different with – Cooper Rush, but it also seems the same. And I think that's because he's been in this offense, been with Kellen Moore since 2017. I mean, he's been in this whole thing, not only kind of the beginning of the Dak era, but also the beginning of the Kellen Moore, the coach era. And, you know, players win you games, but this was a great week, I think, and I, you know, I'll be writing about this throughout the week at bloggingtheboys.com for these coaches, specifically McCarthy and, yeah, Kellen Moore there as well. You know, the pressure was on them from the start of this season, and I don't think even they could see, you know, just how high that heat was going to get turned up, though, after one loss to Tampa Bay. And it was the worst possible way to lose that Bucks game. You know, it was the same position groups we've been talking about for months that really cost you, you know, hey, what are you going to do with offensive line and receiver? They didn't have that answer at all against Tampa Bay. That's why you lost. So it wasn't a good start, you know, to say the absolute least, at the in week one in prime time. But still, the pressure was firmly on these coaches right away at the fact that you were 0-1. And, you know, they didn't let it get to them. They didn't cave, even with the loss being compounded by the Prescott injury. And they got right to work to prepare for a really good Bengals team with their backup quarterback, had an excellent plan. Saw that plan almost fall apart when the Bengals, you know, went on a 17-play drive to tie the game late. You thought, okay, here's finally the breaking point. 
the team with the better QB is making more plays right now, and they're going to get this done. But turned out to not be the case as Cooper Russ got you in the field goal range for Brett Maher to be the hero. All right, so um, I had this on the show list, but I'm still going to go with it. Uh, is you know, is there anybody out there in free agency or on the trade block that you would go with over Cooper Rush for the next three games? No, at this point, I sure don't think so. And I hope that doesn't sound like you know an overreaction to us being here celebrating the first win, but. Hey, it is nice to get that first one, as we said, right at the top. And, you know, I do think beyond just what Rusk brings as a thrower and as a natural kind of arm talent type of guy who can also move the pocket a little bit, not a, not as dynamic as Dak Prescott, of course, but, you know, you were able to keep some of those plays in there. Noah Brown's touchdown was a play where, you know, I saw that and immediately thought, oh, that's something that, the, you know, they didn't have to put in just for Russ. That's a Prescott play that he said he can execute as well. And that's what you want from a backup. As close as you can, you want to keep those top plays in that your starter can execute unless your starter is just, you know, not unique of a type of player, you know, think of like Omar Jackson in Baltimore, no game plan is so specific to him. Prescott and Russ, though, can make some of those similar type plays, and that's exactly what he did here against the Bengals. And then, like I said, beyond that, though, I think, you know, there's just a certain element to his game that the rest of these players in the offense really trust. They know the ball's going to come their way if they're open type of thing. The opportunity is there. Maybe we see Jalen Tolbert even get out there and catch some passes soon from Cooper Russ. But for now, you know, CDLM got more involved, Pollard, Noah Brown. So the Cowboys asked a lot from all the positions, position groups as far as unproven players stepping up. And, you know, quarterback and receiver, no different right now, thanks to Russ and the guys he's throwing to being out there. But it was good enough to get this win. And I think it'll be good enough to uh, keep this team in contention until Prescott returns, which is exactly what they're looking for from Russ, who I would stick with. Yeah, and that's what I feel like going with Cooper Rush gives you is you're still able to run a lot of the Prescott plays. Now, I remember in 2015 when Tony Romo broke his collarbone and they said, oh, well, we're just going to run the same offense. They don't really need to change anything up. And it was true, and they didn't. They had Brandon Whedon. Matt Castle basically run the same kind of plays that Tony Romo was running. And, you know, they didn't exactly run them like Tony Romo would. And the offense was garbage. But it looks like with the way it is with Rush, that they can continue to run those plays, as you said. And, you know, it just, I mean, really about the only thing I think Rush has that Dak doesn't is uh, resilience in the pocket. In other words, Dak sometimes can take a hit and still stay upright. Uh, Mobility, I think Dak's got more mobility. But in terms of the pass plays, they really don't take anything out. It's really the same offense. And I think that's what the Cowboys had to have seen when they were going through all of their evaluations for um, on Monday, last Monday, a week ago, when they were looking at the quarterback situation, was, hey, if we bring someone in, 
what how's that any different than just having Rush back there? Because here's what we know what we have with Rush, and we can still run a lot of the Prescott passing plays. That part of the offense doesn't have to change. Uh, how much would it have to change if we brought in someone else? And then I think everything going from eight weeks, Sean, down to four weeks, really changed the organization's view when it came to Cooper Rush versus free agency and the trade block. Well, even if you lost this game, you needed to show that you know the offense can move the ball a bit so that whatever the window was for Prescott, you could justify that the offense is actually going to look good with him. You know, it's not lose sight of the fact that even with Prescott out there in week one, he was part of the problem that you lost that game before he got hurt. You know, he struggled and the blame fell more on the receivers and the offensive line. And that's fair because, you know, organizationally you did move on from good players at those positions without a real plan to replace them, knowing that, you know, Prescott was still going to be here and you should have supported your franchise quarterback more. But yeah, you need to show you can move the ball. And if you did, and that Bengals 17-yard tying drive ended up being a game-winning drive type of thing. And you did fall to 0-2. Yeah, it's a big hole to overcome. But at least still, there would be that glimmer of hope for Prescott to be able to come back and make the offense look good again and try to stage some kind of light rally in a division that you know certainly doesn't seem like, once again, anybody will run away with it. Cowboys-Giants are going to be huge on Monday Night Football next week. But not only did, of course, you move the ball this week, but you moved it with a quarterback has proven he can get it done in the clutch, so he's going to have the reins here going forward. The team believes in him, and you found a way to get the win. So 1-1, one 0-2, one, oh the difference is massive. And Cooper Russ is the reason that you have some chance uh, to play not only meaningful games, but really meaningful games with Dak Prescott down the stretch of the season once again. You're in the exact same place that you started last year with a loss to Tampa Bay and then kind of a gutsy last-second win against a good AFC opponent last year. That game was in Los Angeles. They beat the Chargers in week two to get to one and one and have to show that fight and that resilience. And they were able to do that under McCarthy. And he did the same thing today on Sunday to do it against the Bengals and get to one and one as well. So the work is still clearly cut out for this team. You know, it could still unravel at times on the offense of Cooper Russ. And then that just adds to the pressure that Prescott's going to feel when he comes back. But yeah, for now, so good. And, you know, the Giants are going to be ready for you. They're hyped up up there. And, talking to plenty of Giants fans this season. They can't quite believe right now that they're 2-0. So they're 2-0 going into Cowboys week of a backup home game, Monday Night Football, Joe Buck in the booth. They're going to be very ready for that. So that's a whole other challenge for us. But, you know, the Minnesota win on the road last year is, is another one you can point back to to show that he'll be ready for this type of situation. And the offense, uh, you know, was able to, again, stick to their core concepts, which is probably not what Cowboys fans wanted to hear this week. Leading up to this game was a whole lot of quotes from the Joneses and everybody on down that I don't think anybody wanted to hear. It was a lot of, you know, oh, we're going to stick to our game plan. We're gonna, we're not, we don't need to change things up. We just need to be better. We need to execute. The game plan is fine. I don't think that's what fans wanted to hear, but it's exactly what worked out there against the Bengals. They did just dig in, get back to those core concepts, the slant routes, the post routes, pretty simple things that Russ can execute, and it was good enough to get this win. You know, for some reason – there's no phrase that gets Cowboys fans more riled up than we need to be better. Yeah, there's well, we need to be better, but we moved on from, you know, the players that made us so good last year. Uh, so that's still, you know, being felt here. But, yeah, now you have players truly stepping up, and that's going to have to be the case with Prescott out there still. But, 
you know, how good is it to see a guy like Noah Brown who's been here for, you know, it feels like decades, right? Making plays out there, finally getting the opportunity, finally making the most of it. Ever since training camp, we've been saying, you know, this could be the year where he gets more opportunity. It didn't happen in week one with Prescott, but now even bigger opportunity for him to make plays at the backup quarterback throwing you the ball, and he did just that. So, you know, those are the types of things that can really rally a team and get them going in the right direction, much like the Cowboys win in week two last year, got them going through the first half of the year when they were so good. We know how we know how it ended. We know the second half wasn't as good. Let's not talk about that. But, you know, still, they need to have a similar type of first half here with Russ to make those meaningful games for Prescott in the second half and see if they can have some better fortune than they have that ahead of them with, you know, guys like Brown and even Fajoko and, of course, C.D. Lamb finally starting to step up a little more as well. Now, I know that Cooper Rush and the offense are getting a lot of the attention as they should, but the defense, they dropped Joe Burrow six times. I mean, they made him look like a wildebeest if the game were a wildlife documentary. Uh, so how much credit do you think the defense should get for saving the team? Because they've really shown up, if you want to know the truth, since week one. So how much credit do you think the defense deserves through the first two weeks and a 500 record? Oh, absolutely. A ton of credit. I mean, you know, Dan Quinn deserves, uh, is at the front of that line for getting it because he's a you know coordinator that just completely understands, you know, where he's at with this team right now. He knows, you know, what his specialty is, how to get the most out of these players, how to call it his defense. And he has a head coach in McCarthy that just allows him to be who he is. And it's worked so very well for them, you know, all of last year. And now, of course, two weeks in what they did against Brady, although in a losing effort and then what they did to beat Joe Burrow today can't be understated at all. I mean, the defensive line is probably the best position group coming out of camp. When you were going to rank these position groups on the entire roster, we all probably said the defensive line might be the strength of the entire team. And whenever you can circle one group to be the strength of, of your team, they better be capable of winning your games. Or you're just not going to be very good. And the defensive line proved that they can fight out, win you some games with what they did to Burrow, you know, getting to him six times, like you said. Mika Parsons was all over the place. And Dan Quinn was kind of in his bag a little bit today. I mean, he was moving guys around. Dorrance Armstrong was playing different stand-up linebacker-type rush situations, and Demarcus Lawrence is out there at right end. I even had positive notes on Oso Digizua and Quentin Bohanna pushing the pocket from the middle. That'll be in my scouting post that comes out every Monday along with this show here at bloggingtheboys.com. So, yeah, defensive line as a whole, strength of the team, and they absolutely, from top to bottom, showed out in a matchup that they knew they could take advantage of because Burrow was beat up pretty good against the Steelers a week one as well. T.J. Watt and all those guys got after him with Pittsburgh. So the matchup was there, and they absolutely took advantage of it. The back end held up. Anthony Brown had a bit of a rough week against Tampa Bay, but he was really good against uh, Cincinnati in this game. Trevon Diggs had a couple balls beat him by you know millimeters, it felt like, but he still made some plays on the ball when it mattered as well in that big tackle late in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the entire cohesion on the defense, and let's not forget they're doing it without – you know, some key guys. Jaron Coast was believed to be a core player that you know you might see things fall apart a little bit if you didn't have him. But sure enough, Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker have proven to be enough at safety, and you are going to get Coast back here. So the Rich is going to get richer on defense, and they're going to have a chance to go do it against Daniel Jones next week. I did feel like the Donovan Wilson that showed up against the Bengals was the 2020 version. 
it really looked like Donovan Wilson was back. Yeah, he's a hard-hitting safety. You know, you need guys with that in the field. They've kind of gotten by with you know, a little bit of duct tape and glue at linebacker a bit. Parsons is playing that rust position so well that you're almost forced to play him there as close to full time as you know I think they want to right now. And Evander has to take you know, a lot of snaps at linebacker, and he's missed a couple plays here, you know, through two weeks. But just to keep him on the field healthy and making plays, I think is a win right now. So you live with so many ups and downs. Evander S and then the veteran Anthony Barr is out there, and you know he's a guy you can always count on to be in the right place. But beyond that, yeah, they kind of patched together with these hybrid type players and Wilson comfortable playing down there in the box to to get by at the second level and that's what allows this defensive line to be so good because they can just get after the quarterback and rush and don't have to worry about too many other assignments behind them yeah and that's what I'm saying is it, it just seems like the defense is finding ways to save the team you know and they, they've had their own difficulties too because I was interested to see how J. Ron Curse, the green dot wearer, not being out there would impact the team, you know, and it, it really, they found a way to make it work on defense. It wasn't uh, that big of a drop off, and I think that's what's been really the hallmark of Dan Quinn's unit is there aren't any drop-offs. I mean, no one wants to see what it would be like if number 11 and, you know, number 7 had some availability issues. I'm sure there might be some drop-off. But usually it seems like in years past with Cowboys teams, on defense, everything had to be perfect. You know, you couldn't lose certain role players. Otherwise, whole defense would would just come unglued. But it, it really doesn't seem that way with Dan Quinn. Well, it's definitely a deep rotation, especially up front on the defensive line. You know, like I said, when you when you have a guy like Dorrance Armstrong, people, you know, I'd see him standing up there at linebacker, and it's like, oh, I got to rewind and see who's playing right end because all offseason we're looking at, you know, the, the fact that you lost Randy Gregory. It's like, well, if that elevates Armstrong to that position, but who else do you have out there? You know, is Armstrong ready to just play as many snaps as Gregory and, and take full advantage of that spot to the point where you don't feel like, you know, you need another guy other than, you know, your guys like Terrell Bassam and some veterans and, you know, Parsons, of course, what he can do over there. But, you know, do you feel like if you're going to stand up Armstrong, do you have someone to play right end? And, you know, there were a couple of times I'm watching Armstrong stand up and then, oh, the right end is Demarcus Lawrence. And then, oh, well, who's the left end? Make a Parsons. So that's a great way to... To put this pass rush package together, it takes a lot of trust in your secondary and, and your linebackers as well, which they have. So it's a very cohesive defense right now for Quinn, and they have you know all these rush packages that they work that they worked on specifically for the Bengals should be able to carry over and you know continue against some of these NFC East opponents that you're going to go up against. Where you hope you hoped if you had Prescott, you'd have a significant quarterback advantage, but now with Cooper Russ going up against the likes of you know Carson Wentz or a Jalen Hurts or a Daniel Jones, that closes the gap quite a bit. And where you can make up some ground, of course, is with Parsons and those guys getting after it and making plays. I mean, how good was it to see Parsons going up against former Cowboys right tackle I.L. Collins and just completely knowing you know, how Collins is going to pass set and taking full advantage of it, just making him look silly a couple of times to get to Joe Burrow. So they'll, of course, need a lot more from Parsons. They still need to get on the board in the turnover department 
and we haven't quite seen that production yet. Not that we expected the same level of production with them taking the ball away, but it's another point of emphasis for them when you're playing with a backup quarterback to go get those extra possessions, and we'll see if they can add that to what's been a very strong two-week defensive performance. And a reason that you can even be talking about this team having a one and one record and not, you know, staring at staring in the face at zero and two. Yeah, that, that's what I would like to see is uh, the way that the defense is able to bring the opposing quarterback down to Cooper Rush's level and then force them to win a game. And I think that's kind of the strategy at this point, which is also why I think they didn't make the move at quarterback. Yeah, they. Tr- I mean, we've been saying it all year. Ad nauseum was almost the name of this podcast. They like the guys that they have. And, you know, so that certainly should apply to quarterback. And you saw coming out before this game that, you know, Prescott's role on game day now is going to be on the headset, helping out Cooper Russ. I don't think, you know, anything expect anybody expected too much different. Prescott's always been, you know, supportive of his teammates no matter what role he's occupying. I remember the clips during uh, Hard Knocks where, you know, he would be, he would be fired up when he was losing practice reps to these guys, you know, early in the offseason when they didn't really matter. You know, Prescott didn't want to even lose one or two throws with the first team uh, to get, you know, Cooper Rust at work just because of how competitive and fiery he was. So, of course, anything Prescott can do, even though he's not playing, he's going to do. And so he was out there with working with the quarterback and Kevin Moore calling the plays has familiarity, of course, with, you know, playing with both Prescott and Cooper Rush. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a very interesting dynamic that the Cowboys currently have a quarterback and with this entire offense, it's kind of all kept very close to the vest and, you know, conceptually defenses, defenses still know what's coming to an extent. Tampa Bay was not sorry about calling that out after the game, you know, Devin White saying, Oh, we kind of just looked at last year's game and we knew we'd see the same concepts and it worked very well. And they held the Cowboys without a touchdown. The Cowboys didn't even get to the red zone in week one. The closest they got was the 31 as Jim Nance pointed out today during the broadcast, and then, you know, in this game, completely different story as far as what you were able to do with the offense. Conceptually, you didn't change things dramatically, and you didn't also have to dig into your bag of tricks and do any crazy trick plays, which McCarthy kind of called out this week. So you just stuck to what works, but you executed a whole lot better and, you know, dug in and had a game plan that worked for Cooper Russ, and, you know, that's just a great thing to be able to say for, again, not only Russ, because he's going to be the starter going forward for a few more weeks here, but this entire coaching staff that really had their backs against the wall uh, proved a lot today, I think. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com. 
All right, so then do you think that there's reason to believe? Should everybody just jump on board the Cowboys bandwagon? Is it time to start front running? No, I mean, realistically, yeah, to come back down to earth for a second, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of work left to be done. Um, you know, the, like I said, the Giants are fired up to see you this week. I, I speak with plenty of Giants fans all week that can, I can back you up on that. So, you know, that's no easy task to go on the road with a backup quarterback now and win. But, you know, 0-2 is a dark place. We've, I think we've, you know, all of our shows here on the network have said that enough times this week, and we tried to paint that picture. I think, you know, this show right here, as early as, you know, our late off-season shows, we, we started to look at the schedule and turn the page and and dissecting how likely or unlikely a potential 0-2 start with Prescott even starting both games would have been. So it's always been in the realm of possibilities, but you know, the more realistic possibility, I guess, and what's usually a 500 league anyway, is a one-to-one start. And I do think this Cowboys team, you know, has the talent to be hovering right around that 500 mark. And I don't think anyone in the division so far has shown that they're going to be exceedingly better than that. Again, the Giants are 2-0. The Eagles played tonight against the Vikings, who, you know, some people are way high on the Vikings, hyping them up as, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC already, thanks to their week one win against the Packers. So, you know, if they can get a win against the Eagles, that might go a long way. But the same can be said about the Eagles then beating what's seen as a very good Vikings team. So, we still have to see what's going on with Philadelphia. Of course, a shootout type of game against Detroit, who got a win against Washington on Sunday. So that helped the Cowboys out and just kind of proved that this division is going to beat up on each other a bit. And they hope to be there in the end. You know, the Cowboys faded down the stretch of the season last year. We all remember that. But yet they had that cushion in the NFC East built up. I don't think that's going to be the case this year since you still have a couple of weeks to go in divisional games of Cooper Rush. So, you know, those games can't be afforded to be slipped up. Oh, and we're going to have, you know, the offense needs to develop more and has to work in Michael Gallup and James Washington, all these things. But, yeah, they have their core concepts they want to win games with. You can question it, and we're going to, you know, and we will, we'll sit here and question it after every time they do lose because of it, and we'll praise it when they win. It's just how it works. But they want to win by running the ball, getting the offensive alignment out in space, you know, and playing strong defense right now, getting after the quarterback. And I think – as far as how those things will continue, you know, the pass rush is still going to be there. The defensive line is still going to be the strength of this team. So that's a plus. But as far as you know, just the offense, the run game, and those types of concepts, you know, I do still have those same concerns that we ran into a season ago as far as just how long they can sustain it. You know, if you look at it, if they went, beat New York and then Washington, they'll be at 3-1 and one on a three-game winning streak. And more importantly, they'll have a 2-0 record in the division. At that point, I think they start getting believable, even before their showdown with the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, just looking over you know, some giant stats from today, they beat the Carolina Panthers at home 19-16. to You know, Saquon Barkley had a huge game in week one, so they, they leaned on him, 21 carries, but only for... 72 yards, his longest run went for 16 yards. And then Daniel Jones just kind of just feels like a very Daniel Jones stat line, doesn't it? 22 or 34, 176 yards, the one touchdown. You know, what the Giants probably love to see there is the zero interceptions. Turnovers have been an issue in his game. And, you know, the Cowboys are going to try to get their hands on a couple of his passes next week, but he didn't throw any interceptions against the Panthers this week. So, you know, very low-scoring defensive games. The Giants proved that they can win. The Cowboys proved this week that they can also win. 
that type of game. But they also, you know, showed they can get in the end zone too. That was nice after not scoring a touchdown in week one. So, you know, how that game is going to play out is yet to be determined, of course, and yet to really be dug into and previewed as we'll do later in the week. But yeah, you got to find different ways to win this league. And so far, you know, the Cowboys have really only shown, you know, with their first win coming this week that, again, they do want to stick to that script. And when you do get off script, you know, how dicey does the game get? I know me and you both felt the exact same way after that, after the Bengals tied the game, that it felt like that was the breaking point and the Cowboys had been clinging to the lead for so long and now it was time to slip away. Uh, you know, and the Bengals were set to take control of the game. I'm sure plenty of other Cowboys fans felt the exact same way. And you probably are going to play a game with Cooper Rush where it does play out that way, you know, as far as just a better quarterback or a better team getting it there in the end, even though you had a chance in the fourth quarter. But for now, you had this fourth quarter opportunity to win or lose on the like of Brett Maher. And so far, so good on, you know, being 1-0 with that and getting back to 1-1 because of it. Here they are. They're 1-1. One I really thought they were going to give away the Bengals game. It, it felt like that Pittsburgh game that Garrett Gilbert started in 2020. That's exactly yeah, how did. it felt. But, hey, they didn't give it away, so what do you know? Uh, now they get ready as the guy from New Jersey has been talking about all podcasts, uh, the Giants on M- Monday Night Football in week three. And incidentally, that'll be like a pregame podcast for you and I, partner. Well, hey, I was going to bring this up after the show, but let's just do this now. Let me say, uh, I, you know, I have some friends that are going to be at that Giants game, so that's why I've kind of brought it up a couple of times. The same ones who went to Giants-Cowboys and Jerry World last year, but they'll be back in their friendly confines of MetLife this weekend, uh, next week. So, you know, looking forward to hearing how that goes, of course. But I may also, uh, in consideration, to maybe attend my first game of the season next weekend, so I might have some cre- have to find some more creativity with when we're going to record our pregame version of the show, but some friends are trying to talk me into a, going to Mile High Stadium for the first time and seeing Broncos 49ers next Sunday night. So hasn't been flushed out yet, but we'll see if that ends up happening. But sure enough, but, uh, you know, Trey Lance got hurt for the 49ers today, so that could be Russell Wilson versus Jimmy Garoppolo, which would be an interesting matchup there between the Broncos and 49ers. So we'll see if that happens. And then, of course, you know, I can do that without missing the Cowboys, though, because they play on Monday at MetLife Stadium. So Cowboys first Monday test, and it's going to be weird hearing, you know, Buck and Aikman, which we're so used to doing Cowboys games. So it'll feel normal in that sense, but it'll feel abnormal because it's a Monday and, you know, ESPN is like the way they present the game is so different as far as like the graphics and everything. So, you know, the voices will make it feel like a Fox game and everything else is going to be like, oh, this isn't a regular Buck and Aikman game. And, of course, you got the Manning cast going on as well, which I usually like to tune in for. I won't know anything about it because I'll mute ESPN and put on Brad Sham and Babe Loffingberg just like I would do if it was a Fox cast or an ESPN cast. There's really only two two crews that I'll turn down. Uh, I'll make it three crews, as a matter of fact, um, that I'll turn down Brad Sham and Babe Loffenberg. It's Al Michaels and whoever, uh, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. And then the third one I'm doing this year is Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson, mainly because Kevin Burkhardt follows me on Twitter, and that's important. Now, Burkhardt's great. I had a chance to meet him a couple of years back, and you know, just one of those down-to-earth guys who's willing to help out and uh, just a really good personality who you know 
has kind of ascended the ranks of broadcast now to get to do these games, and it's well-deserved. Uh, so that's well said. But um, I'm surprised you don't have Jim Nance and Tony Romo on that list, though. So you're saying today was a Brad Sham type of thing? Oh, no, wait. I forgot. No, they – yeah, I yeah. completely blanked out. That's four. It was our game. I always listen to Jim Nance and Tony <laughs> Romo. Uh, I I would listen to them over anybody. It was uh, there was some funny moments between you know Romo commenting on Cavante Turpin wearing the number nine jersey. I think he said something along the lines of you know uh, we both wore it because we have the same speed or something like that. So uh, you know, always can count on a couple of jokes, of course, from Romo out of the booth. And that that one was a softball, knowing that there was a number nine back on this Cowboys roster for the first time in a while, other than you know Jalen Smith wore it a couple of years ago. And, but now Cavante Turpin wearing it as your punt returner. Yeah, and so there you go. Uh, that 21, I mean, the 20-yard punt return by Cavante Turpin was the longest um, play by a number nine since September 28, 2014, when Tony Romo ran for 21 yards against the New Orleans Saints. Are you just sitting on that, hoping I'd bring up Cavante Turpin today? Yes. <laughs> that is great. All right. Okay, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays here before we get out of here. So on Tuesday, the, Trayvon Biggs, he turns 25 years old on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, John Kitna, <laughs> he turns 50 years old. And with all the heat that Prescott was like kind of hearing after the week one loss, Kitna's name was back in the Cowboys uh, media cycle. You know, people were bringing up the fact that he hasn't been the same since Kitna was his quarterback coach and things like that as far as how much Kitna was able to help Prescott. So that was another talking point as far as, you know, just how much the Cowboys can do to help him. And uh, the fact that, you know, Kitna is no longer being here. Maybe we didn't make it as big of a deal of that as we should because that was a big storyline. At least locally, you know, I don't know how much I have nationally in the coaching ranks John Kitna got. I believe he's still in the high school ranks doing it. But, um, you know, as far as the media here that got to see firsthand what Kitna meant for Prescott, it was definitely a big deal. And now, of course, you know, no longer a part of Prescott's game, but he's focused on just getting back on the field, you know, from this hand injury anyway. But before that happened, yeah, he was under fire from how he played against Tampa Bay. And that brought up, you know, as early as 2016 memories of, Having John Kitna here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's nice. I I must have missed that. Everybody they wanted to bring back John Kitna as quarterback coach. That's what was wrong with Prescott in Week One. Okay. All right. Uh, you know that's what <laughs> makes it was a dark place in Cowboys Twitter. Yeah. You, know, you you can miss a lot just by because you can't spend too much time there. But yeah, it definitely wasn't a great week. And you know, we'll see how this week is after a win is always so much better. I mean, I would have brought up something else, like uh, you know. How come they – why don't they get a different um, star to come through instead of Soul? In the, uh, I mean, there's got to be other stars in the Milky Way galaxy that can come through the glass at, at doors at AT&T Stadium. Other than, you know, Soul, why can't we get, like, Beetlejuice, for example, or one of the Rigel stars to just beam through the glass at AT&T? That, that'd be just as – I can't believe they brought up John Kitten as quarterback coach. Okay, and then on Saturday for fun, Eddie George, even though he was only with the Cowboys for one season, I think they signed him in the summer of 04. But, yeah, he turns 
49 years old, and those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Well, hey, for as many Cowboys media that likes to run the bit of anyone that ever wore a jersey for a day, be getting quote tweeted as a Cowboys legend when they signed somewhere else, Eddie George can get on the Cowboys' birthday list for hidden yards because of that. Thanks to the fact that guys like, you know, I don't know, it's hard to pull up an example uh, out of nowhere. But, you know, man, just any any player who was like on the Cowboys for one day. Oh, yeah. Not only was featured image when he signed somewhere else, be him with the Cowboys. But also uh, everybody will say that he was a legend here with the team. Yeah, so. and the, the real secret to that is the internet and search engine optimization. And so lots of editors do that. They'll take some guy that was on the practice squad or had one activation. And then, oh, the you know, former Cowboy uh, gets caught in cryptocurrency scandal. Like, <laughs> really? He played the rest of his 21-year career <laughs> with the Arizona Cardinals. But, oh, he's a Cowboy. Okay. All right, put him up in the uh, ring of honor. Ask Jerry about that. Jerry will do it next Tuesday because Jerry does Ring of Honor on the flip of a dime. So what are, we, what are we looking forward to from the Joneses this week? Because it was a pretty brutal week as far as their interviews being scrutinized after the loss. They were kind of just shrugging it off like, oh, well, you know, we were the most viewed team. Fans still care. We understand that you still care. And that's why we're still going to work at it. And it was just a bad week optic-wise for the way, the All right, way they here's talked what about I the team. So how is it going to sound after a win? All right, here's what I predict. On Monday, Steven's not really going to give you anything too much. On Tuesday morning, Jerry is going to be absolutely just beaming, and he'll have a funny quote that everybody will have for the day. On Friday, when Jerry reappears, um, he's going to really he's going to have some old story about from back in Arkansas, whether playing there or growing up there. And then on Friday afternoon, Steven's going to give you the inside baseball on the availability at a position. And then, But then Steven talks again on Monday ahead of the Giants game, too. So he may say something then, too. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun week coming up. Yeah, the extra game. But that's my prediction is Jerry on Tuesday is going to have, have some funny saying that – and he's just going to be on cloud nine. Well, one and one is free in his world. So, you know, that was the case on Sunday when you get a walk-off field goal to beat the reigning AFC champion. So maybe there was some merit to that. And one and one is the Cowboys record as well as we go into week three. Yeah. And really it, it is hard to get a win in the NFL. So I think Cowboys fans should enjoy it. I think the Cowboys should enjoy it, but, uh, for the Cowboys, it's a long season. It's a long three, four weeks till Dak Prescott comes back. So they got to get over it and get them move on to the Giants because really you got a uh, long work week coming up and then a short work week going into a, another consequential division matchup coming up. So, yeah, they – they got to stay on task right here, but otherwise they could really have an unfavorable record by November. So they, they really got to stay on task because this Monday night's coming up and it's going to mess with their logistics. And we don't know, you know, who the great teams yet this year are, of course, you know, we have an idea of, 
you know, who's playing well out of the gate. But the truly great teams, and I'm not calling the Cowboys great by any stretch, but the great teams and the teams that expect to really be there in the end know that you can use the beginning of the season as kind of an extension of the preseason. Nobody plays their starters any significant snaps in the preseason anymore. The Cowboys were way on, you know, the top end of that spectrum as far as we didn't really see anybody this preseason. So the beginning of this year is an extension of the preseason. You do have to use this time to still work on, you know, what you do best. Because if you try to just commit to being you know, your best team, your best form, in your best shape right out of the gate, you know, how do you handle any adversity late in the year? How do you adjust when your tape is out there for 11 weeks at this point and everybody knows everything you do and you have to adjust on game day to stand any chance? How do you get through those things? You go back and look at what you did at the beginning of the year you know, and how far you've come from that point. That said, of course, you can't just drop a bunch of games at the beginning of the year and expect to be there at the end. You know, Even in the NFC East, you have an undefeated team by now, the Giants, who we're about to see. So, yeah, you still have to understand that you're working on things and that it's a work in progress, which it certainly is for the Cowboys. Not only do they have Prescott to look forward to coming back, he's the biggest name, but James Washington and Michael Gallup, Jalen Koser, even bigger names as well to uh, – you know, to see the field before Prescott does and could help a whole lot. So you do have to look forward to those things. And again, you do also have to, you know, find a way to win games while you're going through this. And that's exactly what the process they're in right now, finding a way to get it done against the Bengals. Yep. And we will find a way to get to Monday night when Dallas plays New York for maybe first place in the NFC East. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We're part of the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm Mark Lane. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. And so there it is. Rock and pork roll. Woo!